Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. What's up, surfers? It's 108 here on this cloudy regular sort of slightly overcast day i don't know i'm not a weather guy it's a wednesday and i am sitting in for scoot who is off to portland he'll be back with you on tuesday october 31st all hallows eve until then i'm not stuck in here with you you're stuck in here with me coleman's on the ones and twos and i'm going to be with you from one to four today tomorrow friday and monday I got some really good stuff picked out for us to talk about. I got some great bumper music. You basically know the drill at this point. Uh, coming up on the show today, we're going to talk about scary movies. Why do we love scary movies so much? What does that do for us, really? Everybody knows how they feel about scary movies. You either kind of watch them enthusiastically or you stay far away from them or you fall somewhere in the middle. But what is actually happening to our bodies and to our brains when we're watching those scary movies. Why do we do that? Why do we love those? And what should parents consider when they're letting their young ones watch scary movies? We're going to talk to a man named Ron Bailey. Ron is the chair of psychiatry at the LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine. That's coming up here at 120. It is also Black Restaurant Week. This is an annual multi-city culinary movement celebrating the flavors of African, African-American, and Caribbean cuisine nationwide. Black Restaurant Week partners with Black-owned restaurants, chef, caterers, and food trucks to expand awareness and increase support for black culinary professionals. We're going to talk to founder Warren Luckett, who has the details for us at 310. We're also going to be joined by CBS News legal uh, correspondent Thane Rosenbaum. And we're going to be talking about uh, Trump's co-defendants in that Georgia election interference trial. They keep flipping one by one. First, it was Sidney Powell, and then it was Kenneth Cheesebro, which I know is not really his name. It's Chessbro, but I just can't resist. I think it's just funny to say Cheesebro. Sorry, man. Uh, Mark Meadows uh, sat down in front of a grand jury in the Washington, D.C. election interference case and gave some pretty damning testimony, it sounds like. Do Trump's lawyers have any way to stop this flood of damaging testimony? What does it mean that all these people are, 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 are turning on the president? People that had previously fundraised off, you know, oh, the Department of Justice is being weaponized against me, you know, send me money for my legal defense fund. And then they turn around and they plead guilty. Um, so if you gave money to Jenna Ellis or Sidney Powell, I'm sorry. Hope you got a receipt. Um, we're going to talk to Thane Rosenbaum at 210 about all that. Sorry, 220. That's coming up. We'll, we'll do the, the news bomb at 210. I got some headlines from around the world, international stuff going on. 
We'll do that at 210. And then finally, at 320, why are fires in the swamp and the marsh so hard to put out? And how do we reduce fire danger in these areas? Pond Dixon is the project leader and administrator of the Bayou Sauvage Urban National Wildlife Refuge Complex. Fit that on a business card. He's going to give us some new information on South Louisiana's latest threat. All that and much more coming up all the way until 4 o'clock. What's up, Coleman? How are you, man? I'm doing great. And you? I'm good. I haven't really had a chance to talk to you much since I came back. Everything uh, go okay while I was in Colorado? Yes. Why do you say it like that? <laughs> well, uh, it could have been better, I guess. Uh, what I will say is that there's some texters that say that uh, have missed you. Uh-huh. Yeah, they said they can't wait for Ian to come back. They okay. said the, score, the, the, the show doesn't score as much as it does when Ian's not around. I didn't take it personally because right. I uh, completely understand, but I think I did a great enough job. To make people miss you. Oh, well, that's good. I'm flattered. Thank yeah, you. you should be. You, you yeah. do a great job. Did you get to do anything fun while I was gone? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, Sunday I had an off day because we didn't have a Saints game like we right. usually do. Yeah. So I got to Happy for you guys. <laughs> good. Well, I'm glad you um, are keeping those two enterprises separate. You know, I... Um, I had a nice time in Colorado. I was in uh, Denver. I, my Aunt Carrie had her memorial service, which was somber, uh, but also really sweet. Um, there was a lot of people there who showed just such love and care for the time that they spent with my Aunt Carrie, and she was <laughs> she was a really bitingly sarcastic person. Mm. And it was so fun to be in a room with, like, a hundred strangers, basically, who all knew that about her in the same way that I always knew that about her. And I, I don't know, I haven't thankfully been to a ton of funerals in my life, but I guess that's the thing you can look forward to is you end up in a room with people um, that also knew the deceased but are strangers to you, and you can share stories with them that maybe you'd never heard before. And it just kind of puts your loved one in a, in a whole broader context when you meet people that knew them that you never knew. Um, so that was really interesting. And I was in Denver for a couple days, and then I went down to uh, visit my mother, sister, and nephew. There's a, a funny thing that happened to me. I was at a bar in Denver, and it, was, and it wasn't too late. It was maybe like 10 p.m. Maybe you can relate to this, Coleman. Maybe something similar has happened to you. Yeah, I've been to a few bars. That's what I understand. So I went and sat down at the, excuse me, I went and sat down at the bar. And there's just like two, maybe three or four people in there, right? And I sit down. And the bartender comes around the corner, and she's kind of a smoke show, nice, nice looking, easy on the eyes. And she looks me right in the eyes, and she's smiling at me. And I don't know, it's like got this kind of fireworks, like chemistry. You know, I, I'm a married man, so this isn't going anywhere. But I can still, you know, if a woman pays attention to me, I, that feels good. So I am having a conversation with this bartender. And it turns out she was born in Baton Rouge, so she's been to New Orleans a ton, and we talked about that. And she's laughing at my jokes, and she, her body language is kind of suggesting that she thinks I'm a cool guy. So I'm like, oh, feeling, feeling confident, like, ah, yeah, still got it. And then she says, well, how long are you in town for? And I was like, whoa, okay, now it might be getting kind of serious. Uh, I'm here until Tuesday. She says, well, we're having a crab boil on Sunday. You should come by. And I thought, okay, great. Yeah, I'm coming to your crab boil at this restaurant. And you guys have a crab boil? Who's who's doing the crab boil? I hope they know what they're doing because that's a that's an important job. 
And she says, oh, my husband is doing it. And I said, oh, okay, all right. So she wasn't, it was, she was just flirting with me like a bartender would. So let me ask you this. Uh, did you feel relieved or disappointed? Did you feel relieved that she was married or did you feel disappointed like she led you on? And like, Here's, here's what happened next. <laughs> She says, my husband is doing the crab boil. That's him right there. The dude is sitting right next to me. The one bar stool over. I've been flirting with this guy's wife for like 20 minutes. So you were flirting. I was flirting back. I didn't initiate the flirting. You know, it's hard to tell sometimes with a cute bartender. Are they flirting with you because they, they think you're cute? Or are they flirting with you because they think you're going to give them more money? I didn't know. I didn't particularly care. I just was flirting back, and then I was like, oh, man, I hope this is not awkward with this guy sitting next to me. So I had some adventures in Colorado, but uh, glad to be back. Uh, the weather there was just impeccable, and I'm glad that it's so nice here now as well. Um, I see our, our 120 guest is coming up here. That's Ron Bailey from the LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine, chair of psychiatry. I want to talk to you about some scary movies real quick. I have here a list from uh, RottenTomatoes.com of the 10 scariest horror movies ever. And I wanted to see, Coleman, how many of these top 10 scary movies you have seen. We'll just kind of burn through this list and we'll see who comes up with more uh, more check marks for having seen these movies. You ready? Sure. Exorcist, 1973. Yes, I have seen that. Uh, I didn't see it in 73, though. <laughs> Good. That would be weird. How, uh, on a scale of like one to five, how do you think scary? Uh, the original Exorcist, that's the first scary movie that ever disturbed me. I'm, I'm usually good with scary movies, but yeah. that one, disturbed. it didn't scare me, but it disturbed me. Okay, so we've both seen The Exorcist. Um, Hereditary, 2018. Never saw that one. You didn't see that one? Oh, that was pretty disturbing, man. You remember, um, what did they do after that? There was Hereditary and then Midsummer. Do you remember the, the 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 people that go to Arctic Circle, Norway, and the whole? It's a horror movie, but it all takes place during the day. It's weird. Anyway, Hereditary was that person's first movie. That was really creepy and weird. Uh, the Conjuring, twenty thirteen. Uh, I think I saw it in bits and pieces. Never yeah. like fully. I don't yeah. think I saw that yeah. entire one either. The Shining, nineteen eighty. Ooh, that's one of those ones I remember watching, but I don't remember too much of it. I do remember Jack Nicholson was great in it. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm the same. I don't think I've ever sat down and watched that movie from end to end, but I've seen all the like most iconic parts of it enough time that I feel like maybe I don't need to see the whole thing. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. Haven't saw the original. <laughs> oh, man. When I was in high school, uh, we loved to watch that stuff. The Evil Dead the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, those kind of movies. That was really, we'd watch that stuff year-round. Um, so, yeah, I remember that well. The Ring, 2002. Yes, I did see The Ring. Yeah, that was a good one, very creepy. Uh, Halloween, 1978. Yes. Yep, same. Sinister, 2012. Did not see Sinister. I didn't either. I'm starting to notice a pattern. Anything after a certain year is like, no, nah, I haven't saw it. Yeah, I think <laughs> I kind of just stopped watching any horror movies that came out after, you know. 1983, Insidious, 2010. Nope. I didn't see that either. And then the number 10 scariest movie, according to the audience, the reader submitted answers at RottenTomatoes.com, is It, the 2017 version, the remake of It, the clown movie. Who took these surveys? I don't know. The people at RottenTomatoes.com? I don't know. Uh, it's not like a scientific survey. It's just a bunch of... Not the, not, I'm talking about the people that actually answered the questions. Like, no, who, yeah, I who know. Who was scared by It 2017? I don't know. know. I, I mean, that, was a, 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 that was a scary movie. I wasn't frightened by it. You know, yeah. I, didn't, I wasn't lying in bed awake at four in the morning 
scared of that clown. All right, um, let's step away here and we'll come back with Ron Bailey. And we're going to continue the conversation about scary movies. Why do we love watching them so much? What should parents consider when letting their young ones watch them? Would it be cool to, like, watch a scary movie as a family? I don't know. That and more coming up next. I'm Ian Hoken for Scoot. Be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Joining me on the line right now, Ron Bailey, the chair of psychiatry at LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine. Dr. Ron, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for making the time. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me, Ian. Great, great, great. Um, cool. Let's just jump right in, man. Um, why do people enjoy watching scary movies? Is there a, a like a psychological explanation for people having this fascination with being scared and being in suspense? What's that about? Well, we, we think so, and thanks for having me again as well. Um, we clearly recognize that people are different, and different persons have differing responses, if you will. Some tend to enjoy what we almost call a post-fearful, a post, you know, being haunted high, that uh, after initial scare, is a bit of a euphoria. They, 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 their mood is elevated. We actually have seen this, I think, on scanning. So it's interesting that for many of us, a scare will make you feel, you think you feel worse afterwards, uh, depressed and sad and anxious and fearful. But some people have the um, contrary response and they have a bit of a high. Uh, there are other people, though, that I think they don't necessarily have that high, but it helps them deal, they think, with real fear. So if you had some practices almost, so to speak, a uh, scary movie, if something really bad happens, you feel like you can handle it a little bit better. Uh, I think all of these tend to be more the minority circumstances. Most people don't like or don't enjoy this. That's why it's surprising for us when we find somebody else who does enjoy scary movies to recognize why. Um, so can watching a scary movie 
serve as a form of like exposure therapy for people who have certain fears or phobias or have some sort of trauma? Um, or does it have some sort of limitations in that regard? Has anyone ever thought of doing that? I think that's well said. I think that we talk about exposure therapy. We speak about implosion therapy. There's a variety of terms in psychiatry for strategies that we use in individual psychotherapy that are incremental. They're step-by-step, a little-by-little. And the way to manage fearfulness of a big event is to have small quanta, small examples of such an event where deep down you know it's really not that bad. A scary movie is not quite the same thing as living through a real hurricane or a tornado. But that small moment of fearfulness that you can recover from teaches you can recover from a bigger problem overall. Now, we don't want to have a hurricane or a tornado or a car wreck or what have you. But there's some people, I think, who recognize that the small post-haunted or fearful high, we call it, after a bad event helps them grow and emotionally handle more serious uh, adversity. Excellent. Did I hear you use the term implosion therapy back there? Right. What uh, is that? Some of the term you some of the terms you discussed earlier, these, these ideas that we will flood you with a lot of bad, scary, anxiety-provoking exposure, mm-hmm. whether it's what you hear or what you see in a movie or that you experience with your senses, and that changes your body, your own neuro and your brain physiological response system. Whoa. You change a bit, you grow a bit, and you get better able to handle a really bad problem that may come later. So uh, implosion therapy is, is, am I correct, that's just kind of another way of saying exposure therapy? They're kind of the same thing? Absolutely. Okay, great. Um, can you say more about that? And I know there's most of us listening probably uh, won't, won't know some of the jargon, but um, help us if you could. What actually specifically happens in our brains, in our bodies chemically in those moments when we are frightened and we get that uh, you know, a, a chemical reaction, a dopamine or an adrenaline release. What is happening physiologically uh, when we are responding to something scary on a TV screen? You're exactly right. Uh, you get an adrenaline rush. Uh, this all comes out of the cocotropin system. Uh, we talk about uh, neurotransmitters or chemicals in the, in the, in the brain, uh, epinephrine and norepinephrine. Uh, you want to have a, a body that and a brain that can respond normally. If uh, you and I are walking down the street having a discussion with our friend, we don't really want a rush of epinephrine. But if a snake popped up that may get ready to bite us, ah. that rush of epinephrine uh, turns you on high. Um, blood goes to your, your, your muscles and your legs so you can run fast. Your eyes wide and they dilate so you can see. You can do all kinds of things you can do to protect yourself. You want to be at your most alert and you're most able to respond physiologically. For many people, you go to the movie, uh, you see a scary movie. And I heard the ones you listed earlier. It and you know um, um, the ones with you know the Thirteenth Day Massacre and Friday the Thirteenth. Excuse me, those type movies that are like. Sure. And and you 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 have an adrenaline rush. You're sitting there, and your system seems like it's on fire. I mean, you're on high, uh, and then you 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 get up very high, but deep down you know it's a protected environment. Part of you knows that this is not a real scary event. The guy didn't got to come out of the movie theater and, and hurt you. So you you get the high, the rush of adrenaline. You almost fool your brain into thinking that it's real because you know it's gonna you're gonna come back down after a while and, and you laugh about it. Some of the per- persons who like to go to the uh, amusement park and ride the highest rides that take you up high and hold you in air and at that moment of trepidation, you know you're gonna come down hopefully safely. But the, the high is what they're seeking, so it's an adrenaline rush. Then the other people they call them white knucklers, just a term we use for persons who like that moment where you are so fearful and you really don't know if something bad is gonna happen. 
you're squeezing your hands, you know, you, you have white knuckles, so to speak, and you the enjoyment you get when it comes to relevance that you've got to yeah. be safe. Uh, you come down from that high fearfulness, they tend to enjoy that too. So we see more than one reason why some people like scary movies. Very cool. Dr. Bailey, I'm going to keep you around a little bit longer, but we have to step away here to cover some breaking news. Uh, the representative from Louisiana's 4th District has been successfully elected to the Speaker of the House in Washington, D.C. We'll get a quick update from CBS News in that regard. Congratulations, Representative Mike Johnson, the new Speaker of the House from Louisiana. Love that. Uh, we'll be right back after a very short update from CBS News. I'm Ian Hoken for Scoot, and we'll be right back after this. More on the Israel-Hamas conflict coming up at the 210 News Bomb, but still with me on the line right now is Ron Bailey, the chair of psychiatry at the LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine. Um, Dr. Bailey, what are some potential negative side effects of watching scary movies? Um, what effect can that have on our mental health? So, I mean, obviously... I would point to probably low-hanging fruit, like I had nightmares after I watched this scary movie, or I had increased anxiety. Um, is that kind of the baseline? Could it get any more serious than that? Well, that's certainly, I think, the big concern for those of us in healthcare, especially in psychiatric or mental health care, that uh, for some persons, they don't know how much resiliency they have and how much of this you know, partial fearfulness then you come down off the fear to have an emotional high of euphoria, how much they can tolerate. Uh, if you push yourself too far, just like in regular life, stress and stress and anxiety and anxiety can lead to what we call affective illness or mood disorder, like a diagnosis of clinical depression. In addition, I'm always concerned for some persons, if you keep uh, challenging this circumstance, you may think you're going to kind of come down from the um, anxiety-laden uh, peak to an emotional high, well, you may at some point come down to an emotional low because you've done it too many times and you've overtaxed your brain's ability to handle that back and forth. Whoa. We see that as well, and that's unfortunate. It makes me think of a film I saw, um, Paranormal Activity, which I guess is probably, I don't know, maybe like 10 years old now. It was recommended to me by my personal trainer, and he said that that movie in particular made use of a special kind of, uh, oh, I'm going to forget the name of it, but like a sub-aural um, audio frequency, like a, a bass sound effect that was so low um, that it was almost imperceptible to hear, but it creates a response in a, like a stress response in your body. So in the in the part of the movie where, you know, the the door is opening by itself and you can tell that the ghost has come into the room and the the you know shades are fluttering a little bit. And it, so subtly there is this like this very, very deep ultrasonic sound is that dangerous for us I, I i know that made the movie more intense even though people didn't really realize that that was happening but i feel like it, i feel like i've also heard examples of, of of things like that making people sick to the point where they're actually vomiting in movie theaters or, or something like is does that sound familiar to you at all well i've heard uh, a bit about it don't know uh, about it Specifically, probably can't speak about it as an expert, but sure. I can certainly say that your, your following point, I think, is well taken. Anytime the body responds in an excessive fashion negatively, if they're nauseous, if they're vomiting, if they have extreme headache, if they're having, you know, trouble with blurry vision or whatever, clearly one thing we, we clearly know is regardless of what the stressor is, we have to learn more about the initial psychosocial stressor that you described. Regardless of what the stressor was, the results show that that person's brain and their body 
is not able to handle it. Yeah. And that's a key point. Very often uh, persons for a variety of reasons, age, you know, children versus adults, immaturity. Every 13-year-old is immature. There's a different 13-year-old. People are different. Uh, if there's been some prior problem in your life, that's one thing I want to talk about tonight. If you've had a prior history of abuse, you may be a lot more like, a lot less likely mm-hmm. to be able to handle these challenges because yeah. your brain is kind of shut down a little bit and can't show the resiliency I mentioned earlier that most people could tolerate at that age and that level of maturity. So you're 100% right. By the time you're having physiological symptoms, nausea and vomiting and headache and the like, dizziness, your brain is telling you you can't handle this. And that's a great point for your audience. People should recognize when your brain is saying these things to you, it's time to back away. Yeah. Um, can the... Can the, this is can the genre or or the type of a scary movie um, change the way that it impacts our mental health? I mean, is there a difference in terms of our physiological response to, you know, slasher films like you mentioned Friday the Thirteenth or or something like a psychological thriller or a, or a supernatural horror like a, a Alien, you know, a scary space movie? Is there? Do you see any distinction between those types of different films and in terms of the response that our bodies have? Absolutely. I think that persons really? very often are likely to know what their body can handle or tolerate and what's more adversely impactful to them. Uh, I'm a psychiatrist speaks about my mother a lot. I said my mother has always been the nice little lady, 30, 40 years school teacher, et cetera, et cetera, but just terrified of heights. Ah. I mean, when I was growing up, she, she didn't want to you know, be in the car. And she didn't want to drive over the bridge. My father would have to kind of stop and whatever, get her ready to drive over the bridge. It's just something she really couldn't handle. You would know it, and every other part of her life, things seemed pretty normal. Well, for her, if she was watching a scary movie, and no matter what the other issues were, whether it was slashers or whether it was bad weather or a tornado, you know, there's yeah. a, a movie called Twister. Twister. Be, if it had to do with heights, whatever the adverse impact would have been on her normally would have been tripled. And, and that's a good example to me of how your audience should think about it. Most people may know what their particular area of vulnerability is. For my mother, was heights. For somebody else, it may be knives. For somebody else, it may be insects or vermin. For somebody else, it may be, you know, um, I don't know, some kind of a you know, violent wreck or whatever the case may be. But if, you, if the movie has that particular issue and on, it compounds on top of that, some of these other items you describe well, low sound waves, things that may also uh, impact you, a double and a triple effect is much more likely to overwhelm wow. your brain's ability to handle it. And that's at the point where you're going to start having physiological negative responses. Yeah. Great, great. Interesting. Okay. Um, I want to move to kind of the last part here. I want to talk about um, scary movies and kids. Are there age-appropriate guidelines for allowing children to watch scary movies? Like what what factors should parents be considering when they're deciding whether or not their kid is old enough to handle, you know, it or The Exorcist or something? I think there are three for, for me, and there sort of may be more. But the first big issue is you have to know your own child. So we say it's important to talk to your child. It's more important to listen to your child. Hear what they're saying and thinking and what's between their ears all the time. And the parent then should be the arbiter of what the child may not be able to handle. If you have children of different ages or children of the same age from different households, and somebody says, hey, let's go outside and play on the, on the swing set. That's one issue. Yeah. Or, hey, let's go outside and do this or that. But then, hey, let's watch a movie. Everybody says yes. Mm-hmm. You've got to know if your child can't really watch that movie mm-hmm. at that time or circumstance. Your yeah. child may be able to watch that same movie during the daytime, but not at nighttime. Right. Because your, your child has nighttime terrors already. That's one example. Know your own child. Second issue is, yeah, we tend to think that when we look at age ranges, uh, their variability, obviously. But between the ages of about two and seven, we call it a magical thinking 
children already have a mindset that's geared to, you know, um, have inflammatory concerns about things that don't necessarily make sense to the rest of us. We call it, again, magical because they are putting two and two together. It's not really adding up to four, so to speak. So those tend to be ages that are particularly at risk. That doesn't mean there's anything magical about the seventh birthday. For many individuals, it's about their own individual level of maturity and emotional maturity. So they may not be seven. They may be less than that. And they certainly may be eight or nine or ten, and they still really can't handle it. And that's something the parent, I think, has to know and to, to recognize. The third thing I typically say is we have to know our era and our environment. You made the point very clear. Uh, we live in an era now where what is scary is much worse than what it used to be. Uh, I'm about 60 years old now, so 50 years ago when I was 10, what would be viewed as scary wouldn't even really make it on to it would be PG now uh, <laughs> right. or rated uh, yeah. whatever. I mean, uh, I'm shocked when I watch television now what gets by uh, as for it should be regular TV in violence and in sex. So I think for those reasons, I think parents should be particularly cautious about what their children are exposed to. Because remember, um, we, we read now that in an average child's life, but time between the time you're, you're born and you go off to wherever, when you're 20 years old practically, college or military, and move out over the case may be 18, 20 years of age, you're going to experience over 100,000 incidents of, of violence, various forms. And as they keep growing and becoming incrementally more severe, mm-hmm. at some point you may get accustomed to them, and it may not scare you as much. But the other issue is some persons, I think, find ways to block it out. You don't really see it and you don't really hear it. But when something is really there right in front of you, because of that, you may not be prepared for it, and it may have a bigger average impact on you emotionally than you thought. Those are real issues, and I'm, I'm glad you, you got to talk about yeah. it today. Okay, uh, last one, Dr. Bailey. How might exposure to scary movies at uh, too young of an age affect a child's psychological development um, over a longer period of time? Like, uh, I'll use myself in as an example. I like to joke about how <laughs> my sister traumatized me, scared the hell out of me by making me watch Seven with Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt when I was in like first grade, I think probably too young to watch that movie. I didn't sleep for a month. Um, I like to joke about that, but really, could that have had a long-term effect? Absolutely. I think that um, you know a lot of today's discussions really evolved around how too much exposure clearly can have um, a, a short-term acute effect, but you're right, it can also have an intermediate to a long-term effect as well. Mm. I think things to consider are, uh, at some point we find out with that exposure, if it was more than you could handle, I keep using the word resiliency. Some folks are resilient, they can kind of come out of it. Other folks are not, so they never come out of it. So they always have some residual lingering difficulty psychologically because of that initial exposure. Very often it's not just one event, one time, one movie. It's more likely to be repetitive. So you're right. If your sister regularly terrorized you, I'm sure you've been playful about it, but the point is she probably did more than one event. Whether she'd scare you or you'd watch a scary movie or whatever the case may be, uh, that can certainly uh, be, a, be uh, an issue that over time grows and builds. Then the young person develops kind of a defense capacity and mechanism to manage it because you're always getting scared by your older sister or scared by events. Uh, when you, those changes in your brain and how it responds to stimuli are likely to be, to be maintained, especially if they were very emotionally poignant and very real. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just a little scare. On a scale of 1 to 10, it wasn't a 2 or 3 or 4. It was a big scare. It was eight or nine, and it happened repetitively over time during a time period when your brain is very susceptible, 
very much um, uh, reliable and, um, and, and sensitive to these kinds of changes. You got it. What's in the box? Ron Bailey is the chair of psychiatry at LSU Health New Orleans School of Medicine. Thank you for your work and your way and spending time with us on WWL today, sir. I'll let you get back to it. Take care. You too. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. All right. Absolutely. I see Jim and Metairie is on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. You know that number. It's 504-260-1870. Give me a call or a text at any time. I'll be reading 100% of your texts. I'll try to reply to as many as I can. And the very best ones, I'll be reading on the air. 504-260-1870. Ian Hoken for Scoot. Be right back. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Cake by the ocean. On the Okanar Jewelers talking text line, I got some text coming in. Here's one that says... uh, my 10-year-old wanted to watch Candyman. <laughs> My 10-year-old wanted to watch Candyman last year around Halloween, so we watched it together. He loved it. I love that for you guys. I, that was not part of my upbringing, not for any particular reason, but um, nobody in my family like really loved scary movies. We didn't really watch them as a family unit, but I uh, wish that we had. Here's a text that says, I can't watch any horror movies. I watched the Amityville Horror as a teenager, then I kept waking up at 3.15 a.m., just like in the movie. Freaked me the F out. Um, like I told Dr. Bailey, I was really freaked out by 7. But 7 was only the second most traumatizing movie I watched as a child. Outbreak with Dustin Hoffman um, ruined me. I really was destroyed by that movie. I couldn't stop washing my hands. I was so afraid of getting the, you know, bleeding out your nipples virus that I just washed my hands constantly until they became like this cracked, bloody mess. And my mother said, Ian, what is going on with your hands? And I said, I don't want to get the monkey virus. So, um, you know, I guess that that tracks with what Dr. Bailey was saying. You know, maybe your thing is slasher movies or maybe you're afraid of heights or insects or any sorts of different things. I didn't like germs when I was a little boy. Uh, Jim in Metairie is on line one. Jim, you're on the air. Good afternoon, my friend. How you doing? Yeah, basically, I'm not much easy on horror movies. I mean, unless they're like sci-fi or something like that. Yeah. But this one I've got to go see because my daughter and I are going to go see Five Nights at Freddy's on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, with the video game, I remember my daughter just playing all that. And all that. Yeah. It was cool. And besides that, I saw the set over in Chalmette. I got a picture of it from the road. It's really cool. And they did it all out in Chalmette, Louisiana, so it was filmed here. So that's kind of another yeah. reason why I want to see it. But I'm excited. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about that one, too. Look, I uh, I auditioned for Five Nights at Freddy's, I think, at least once. I don't recall what the role was. I don't think it was a very big one. You know, sometimes they send me out for little bitty stuff. But uh uh, they didn't send me out uh, like five times and then not cast me, so I'm forced to boycott the film. So, yeah, I'll go see Five Nights at Freddy. Jim, give us a call back and tell us how you like the film. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. Take care. Um, got some other questions on here about uh, Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson, as you uh, probably know by now, has been elected Speaker of the House. Thank goodness that nightmare seems sort of over for now. Uh, I got a text on my personal phone Somebody wants to know, is the one person 
motion to vacate rule still in place? I believe that it is. Um, I don't think that that rule goes away just because Kevin McCarthy goes away. They have to agree on that rule or the speaker has to agree on that rule as part of a package uh, to, you know, empower him to give him the gavel. I don't think any negotiating happened around that. If it did, we would know that Um, that would have been announced and reported publicly and widely by now if the one person motion to vacate rule had gone away. Uh, I, I, I could be wrong. I'll eat crow on this uh, happily later if it turns out that I'm incorrect. But I think that it still only takes one person to force a vote on the speaker. So Matt Gates could do it. Um, you know, any, anybody else that doesn't like Mike Johnson. I, I haven't seen enough detail yet about who voted for him and who didn't. Uh, this uh, just broke right before I came on the air, so more research is needed. But yeah, it's still absolutely possible that one person can file the motion to vacate and then they'll, you know, have to have a, another vote on whether or not to depose Mike Johnson. It seems unlikely at this point because I don't think anybody came away from this exchange over the last couple of weeks and thought, ah, yes, this was a good thing for the conference. This was a good thing for the country. This was a good thing for the Republican Party. I don't, I don't know that anybody strongly feels that way, at least not people in the media to whom I'm paying attention recently. Uh, Coming up next hour, we're going to do the two o'clock news bomb. I'll bring you some headlines from Mexico, Ukraine, Israel and Washington, D.C. And then we're going to talk to Warren Luckett from uh, the uh, Black Restaurant Week, which is this week all over the country. Before that, we are, of course, going to have a conversation with Dane Rosenbaum, the CBS News legal analyst. Every time I have Mr. Rosenbaum on, I learn a lot. Um, A sort of pattern has emerged with Mr. Rosenbaum where uh, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm wrong about stuff and some things I'm wrong about because I just don't uh, I don't know. I'm not an expert in these fields. But then there's also moments where I really think I know what I'm talking about. And Mr. Rosenbaum says, no, 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 it's not that way. It doesn't work that way. That's not what happens. So this is always a really illuminating conversation. I really hope you can stick around for that. He's a busy man. I don't always have him for a long time, but uh, we're going to get him on the air at 220. And we're going to talk about. Uh, what's happening in uh, Mr. Trump's Georgia election interference trial and his uh, (laughs) election interference trial in Washington, D.C. as well. We'll step away and take care of some business. I'm going to come back with more of your text messages before we step aside and hand over to Chris Miller. I'm Ian Hoken for Scoot. He'll be back on Tuesday, but I'm happy to spend this time with you. BRB. Several people are texting in reactions to Mike Johnson ascending to the speakership. Some people not such a fan. Um, I'm going to kind of withhold judgment for right now. I know he's an election denier. I know he doesn't have an exactly sterling record on uh, gay rights, same-sex marriage, the environment, some other things. But he's not a demagogue, I don't think. He's not a show horse like Jim Jordan. I think he's like a workhorse. I think that he's just going to go there and pass bills and put people on committees and hopefully just get Congress back to doing the people's work. I'm going to read a couple more of your text messages about scary movies after we get caught up on the news, and then we're going to be talking to Thane Rosenbaum at 220. Don't miss out on that. I want to know what he thinks about Mark Meadows speaking with special counsel Jack Smith's team and testifying before a federal grand jury, and then he gets an immunity deal? What's this mean for Trump? You know he's not happy about it. I'm Ian Hoken for Scoot. Be right back after this. Stick around. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.